It's Mark Reardon for C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank, with Michael Scully, regional president of PNC Bank. We're joined by Cindy Meebrewer, director for supply chain excellence at SLU's Chaffetz School of Business. Cindy, tell us how you came to be an expert in supply chain management. I will share with you, when I first got into supply chain within an academic setting, was back when I was still at Washington University, both finishing up my master's and working with our international students and scholars. And I ran into an opportunity at the Olin Business School helping to relaunch the Boeing Center for Technology Information Manufacturing. So I went to talk to the executive director. He asked me what I knew about supply chain. I told him I Googled it, read two of Yossi Sheffy's books, and here's what I knew. And he bought that story and hired me. So that's what started me on this supply chain career, if you will. Since handling the flow of goods and services is key to maximizing business profitability, what are the key metrics CEOs need to keep supply chains running efficiently? Well, they're going to be, even in COVID, you're still looking at some of the key challenges and success behaviors that they always do, inventory and warehouse management, demand planning and forecasting, and so on. So all of these things remain the same. What you have now are stretched supply chains and huge disruptions or chinks, if you will, in the supply chain. And what we're finding from these leaders is uh, an amazing and maybe different type of communication than they've ever experienced. You have suppliers and vendors and partners who are sharing with each other their their uh, margins on sales. They're sharing their terms. They're extending terms for repayment. They're kind of finagling new ways to do purchase orders and make sure they're keeping afloat even their competitors because they know that all along the supply chain, whether it's the transportation side, the warehouse side, or whatever, and whether it's a big company or a small company, success is measured on if they can keep each other afloat and keep each other working. And they're becoming really adept at that and coming up with some pretty novel partnerships. And it's, it's really exciting to see that kind of communication and that kind of partnership. Cindy, the supply chain news surrounds us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. What are you hearing out there in our times of crisis with COVID? Well, just that. Like I said, you've got competitors in, say, hydraulics and pneumatics talking to each other so they can keep each other afloat, but do so so they can keep the companies they serve, their their factory floors running, and so on. So that's the thing that I think is really amazing. And, of course, there's all these stories that you hear of people pivoting because they've had to shut down. So our very own Forehands Brewery, they're now making a hand sanitizer and disinfectant and distributing that because they've they've shuttered their beer production, at least brought it down to a, a lower level. And then, of course, you hear stories like Marcy Fisher, engineer for Ford, who turned around and figured out how to use weather stripping off the cars to make the, the bands that hold the face masks together. So now they're making a million of those a week. So you hear all these amazing stories, big and small. And if you just look around, you'll see it right there in your own hometown. So, Cindy, what's the deal with toilet paper and paper products and things like that? So it's 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 funny and it's not so funny. It's funny for people like us because every time I do venture out to the store, I can't find any. Um, but it's it's kind of a, a old term supply chain scenario where you talk about the whiplash effect. So you've got consumers who are creating this demand because they believe there's a scarcity of product when in fact there isn't a scarcity of product, uh, toilet paper and, and goods like that 
are quite common. And the folks that produce that and store that are very good at knowing exactly how much they need, when they need it, and getting it to the the targets and the schnookses and the, the deerbergs uh, in a timely manner. What happens, though, is because you get these these hiccups like the COVID virus or go back to bad weather when they're predicting bad weather, everybody buys milk, bread and eggs and makes French <laughs> right. toast, right? So this for us, it's, it's the toilet paper. So what they've done is they've upped this demand, but the manufacturers really shouldn't and aren't going to increase production because it really isn't needed. So what they're going to have to do is pivot and maybe, and the stores are doing their part with the signs. You can only buy two packs. You can only do this set of the other. So the stores are, are helping the producers of things like toilet paper by saying, okay, you can only buy one or you can only buy two. But it is, it's a, it's one of those things that you learn in supply chain 101, the whiplash effect and um, creating that, that demand through scarcity. So it's fun, I think, for faculty anyway, when they go, see, we were right. This is how this works. Cindy, what do you see as the biggest near and long-term challenge for the supply chain industry? Um, well, the the biggest challenges right now is, is the, the need for people to pivot and to be agile and to do it on a dime and to do it without data to back up the decision. So they have to sort of think and feel their way. Um, And again, it goes back to the good news with that is I think more and more companies are communicating with each other, whether they're in in warehouse and sales and operations or whatnot, and trying to help each other out going forward. You also have a lot of nonprofit groups and a lot of a lot of universities and a lot of different organizations who are reaching out to companies to say, hey, let us help you. Let us help you with these decision making. So you've got more partnerships um, that are going between universities and companies with organizations like CSCMP or APEX or ISM who have plenty of data and plenty of folks who can help with decision making. And I think long term, those partnerships are going to be even more important because every day companies, universities, we're pulling in so much data and that data is going to look a lot different than it did two months ago, three months ago. And what we can do then is help bring in students, undergrads and grads to sift through that data, to look for these patterns, look for these trends, and then help these leaders make decisions going forward. Because ultimately, you can't ever foresee something like this. But if you have a plan of action where you can pivot to that, say, COVID-like plan of action in your hand already, it'll make it a lot easier. Given our present environment, where can individuals and companies go for current reliable and applicable data so they avoid sitting on inventory or running out too soon? So this is where I'm going to sound like a broken record a little bit, but um, this is where universities shine. And here in St. Louis, we are, our companies are so fortunate to be surrounded by the, the SLU, WashU, UMSL, um, Zoo's care facility is a, is a minefield of data that they collect every day, every minute, every hour. And we've got the people and resources to help you sift through that to figure out how your data is applicable, how our data is applicable, and we can help you make those decisions. But I would really, if you could get that out to your listeners, to take a look around and reach out to the supply chain centers in your universities because, and this is not just to toot my own horn, but we are the connectors. And in supply chain, because it crosses all industry, healthcare, finance, banking, arts and entertainment, sports, everything 
supply chain is everything. If you're moving money, information, people, goods, or services, it's a supply chain. So we have that data. We have those resources. So I would really encourage companies to reach out to their university colleagues and and let us help. Post-COVID, Cindy, what does the new normal look like for supply chain management? Uh, Well, if I really could tell you that, then I would be making millions of dollars and writing a book right now. So that's a it's a difficult question to ask or to answer. But I do think or at least I do hope that the communication will continue, that perhaps the new and novel partnerships will continue to grow. And it may be that growth in and of itself can be something that we relook at. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are that have written about what um, deceleration of growth looks like. And do you really need to have X amount of growth to be considered successful and profitable? And if maybe we pare down what we think growth looks like and profitability looks like, then maybe there won't be such a huge decline in the economic scale and so on. If we're looking at growth from a different perspective, that's kind of a more of an opinion than it is a a specific, but I think there's some trends and there's some opportunities to really really reevaluate how we operate. Cindy, both small and large companies alike are facing multi-front challenges. Some are finding they have more business than ever. What are you hearing that can make the difference in efficient distribution of products? Going forward, when you have a multi-front struggle is when you start to reassess what your supply chain looks like upstream and downstream from a leadership perspective. And it's finding out where you can be efficient, where you can be adaptable. Um, but how do you do that in a way that isn't just severing ties and, and making wholesale changes? So I think going forward, they're going to have to take a look at this because if you aren't able to pivot, if you aren't able to be agile on a dime like this, you're going to lose out. Your competitor is going to win. That being said, should you should you partner with your competitor? Should you uh try to retrace your steps and think differently about, for example, transportation, um, logistics, and so forth. You could take the Zara method. You could ship jackets and skirts along with produce and fish. You can do all kinds of unique and novel things that I think, if they don't stick, will at least lend people toward thinking more outside the normal box. Cindy, you're at SLU. How are universities being impacted by this crisis? Could there be a shift in educational delivery post-shelter-at-home guidelines? Uh, I think so, and I hope so. I will fully admit that universities can be incredibly sluggish in, in innovating into themselves. And, and partly it's because four-year institutions have been four-year institutions in the same way for a very, very long time. What I am seeing, though, is a new look at how training is impactful for companies. That's what we do. We are very outward facing. So all the programs that our center houses are professional development and executive education. So we're working with companies to bring to them customized training that they need under the bigger supply chain umbrella. And now you start to see not just four-year institutions, but community colleges. Uh, Rankin Tech is a good example. That's an amazing school that offers apprenticeships, takes customized training not just in the classroom, but to the company and trains on the spot. And I know SLU in really setting up some of these centers of excellence is taking a look at that professional development, talking with companies to see what they need, and then reevaluating what an undergraduate or graduate program needs to be. So you still need those standards of education, 
But how you deliver it and what's infused in that is going to be really important. And for us, we too need to pivot on a dime. So I think you're going to see more hybrid education opportunities, more virtual and live opportunities. There's always been online programming, but now that we have Microsoft Teams and, of course, Zoom that everybody knows, there are ways to do that that's far more, well, let's just say interesting, um, but also something that people would really want to dive into and can learn from. So I do think there's going to be a shift in education, and I hope in uh, primary and secondary ed. I have have been talking with guidance counselors to to work with 8th and ninth graders because if they don't know what supply chain is, the students aren't going to know what supply chain is. So I don't want high schoolers to be scared of the terms, thinking supply chain means you're going to be putting a car tire on a car on a production line in the middle of Ford, that supply chain jobs are very cool and they're abundant and they're unique. So I do think there's going to be a shift and I'm hoping to put supply chain right in the middle of it. Recruitment in all areas of supply chain management has always been an issue. How can individual companies and really our nation as a whole bring more people into the field? Well, for better or worse, supply chain is in the news every day. it's not the the vehicle I would hope for because of there's a lot of things that we're learning and a, and a lot of despair and sadness going on here. But at the same time, we are in the news and people are starting to understand. Well, this is how my phone got to me, and this is how apples get to me, and this is this is why I can't find any toilet paper. And the more we talk about it, the more we look at what supply chain is and means to the individual consumer, um, the better off we will be. One thing I'm interested in seeing is, you know, with the Amazon effect and just-in-time delivery, you've got folks who who used to, anyway, expect that my new hairdryer and my oranges and my shoes and my milk would be delivered to me immediately um, within the day or within the hour or what have you. And the consumer, maybe, was a little spoiled on that front. And I have to wonder if, if again, reevaluate reevaluating what growth and success look like if we can also shape consumer demand and shape that behavior because as we've seen you don't need to have all these things every day you don't need to have them in an hour and maybe we've stressed our supply chains to a point where perhaps that's what made it so hard to pivot that perhaps makes it so hard for us to get the goods out that we need to get out for people's survival because we've been so in tune to getting everybody that you know new guitar that new purse those new shoes in a in a in an hour or so so i'm i'm really curious to see how that goes and i i think data will point to that consumer behavior can be modified for the greater good and maybe reset expectations along the way about growth and success. If a business has exhausted their tier one, two, and three suppliers and are unable to get products shipped into or out of the U.S., is there a one-stop shop to which you can turn? I would go back to, so always communicate up and down your supply chain. Start with the suppliers, the vendors, the partners that you have. I'm hearing stories where, uh, sadly, one supplier is, is filing for bankruptcy, but before they do so, they're reaching out to some of their competitors to say, look, I've got this company over here, and if we don't get them this cylinder, this product, this whatever, their their floor, their shop's going to close down, so can you do it? And they're, they're reaching out to each other and sharing in a very extraordinary kind of way because they want to keep the supply chain, the products, and the goods and services flowing. 
outside of that, if you can go back to reach out to your universities, this is this is what I do now every day is I get phone calls from people saying, I have something in India, I need these cylinders, otherwise this is going to happen, I can't get it on a ship, I need to get on an air, I'll pay anything. So we're making these connections for people to get stuff done, to put it very bluntly. And uh, I couldn't be more thrilled to be helpful in that manner. And when I don't know, I am happy to call my friends at WashU or UMSL or reach out to Tim Nowak at the World Trade Center. There's so many organizations and institutions here in St. Louis alone. Everyone is so well connected. You just have to find the right person. So if I can't do it, goodness gracious, I will find somebody who can. Cindy, when you look 10 to 20 years out, how do you see supply chain management evolving? Well, I think it will be more of a common theme. And again, I'd I'd like to go back to, here, I'll share a story with you. Uh, My brother and his wife were unable to do the parent, bring your parent to school thing for their fifth grade daughter. This was a couple years ago. And so they asked me if I could do it. So I came in and I ended up with the teacher request to bring my presentation to both third, fourth, and fifth graders. So I did milk from cow to cup, and I brought in toys. One kid was a cow, one kid was a bridge, one kid was a farmer, and we'd all hold hands, and I'd be like, oh, the bridge is out, and then the bridge kid would fall down, and I'd say, what is that? And everybody went, disruption, and I'm like, okay, and now we're going to do So they used all the words, they had a lot of fun, and of course I gave them all slew packets to take home so their parents would be like, oh, thank you. Um, But I'm hoping supply chain becomes more of a, not just a mainstream conversation, but part of um, the academics. I have a bit of a passion of education, and I think we could do far more with primary and secondary ed in infusing real-time education. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone needs to understand civics. I think right now we're having great debates on what states' rights versus federal rights are, and I'm watching a lot of people on the news where I'm like, you need to go back to school because you didn't pay attention in history. So that's important. But I think things like supply chain and that business side, how the goods that you have in your hand get to you are really important. And that is part of your curriculum. That is part of your well-rounded education to understand. So you're not just consuming, you're consuming with a purpose and with some intelligence behind it. Cindy, thanks for being with Mike and I today for another C-Speak interview. C-Speak, the language of executives, brought to you by PNC Bank.